0: Hey there, before we get started, just want to let you know today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is in partnership with the Gold Investment Letter, helping sophisticated investors successfully navigate capital markets and maximize profits in gold, silver, and mining stocks. GIL discovers the most undervalued companies and isolates special situations in the mining sector for their members, breaking down unique topics such as investor psychology, portfolio management, and macroeconomic trends with a goal of drastically improving investment returns. Sign up for this free e-letter for immediate action. Goldinvestmentletter.com.
1: Well, welcome to the special Real Vision Daily Briefing, which is the generalized, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Um, Today, because it's three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm a civilized Brit. I've got a nice cup of Earl Grey tea with some almond milk um, as opposed to my usual drinks because it's a little bit, because of the time zone difference, I'm not starting drinking at this time or my wife will kill me. So you guys who are watching this on YouTube, firstly, if you haven't liked or uh, subscribed to the channel, then you just might as well go away because you're not of any benefit to any of us. If not, please feel free to press that button. Um, also, if you want to ask questions, you have to do it on the Real Vision platform. I'm not answering them from YouTube, but it's free to join. So just go to realvision.com um, forward slash daily hyphen briefing. The links down below on the YouTube channel. So you can just um, sign up for the daily briefing there. Just pop your email in. You can ask questions. I'm happy to ask as many as I can. Um, so how are we going to do this? I'm going to start with what's on my mind. Just give you a, a general data dump of what I'm thinking about. Obviously, those of you in pro macro. And uh, global macro investor—that's where all my deep thinking goes. And if you ever want more of that, um, I, I urge you to go to Real Vision Pro Macro. I think there's a lot of important work that I'm doing right now. Some of the best work I've done in my life—I've just done in Real in um, Global Macro Investor. Okay, so what's on my mind right now? The first thing on my mind is liquidity. You saw my interview with Mike Hal. Uh, it was a very important interview. It's building on what I wrote in GMI called the Everything Code, and it's about liquidity why liquidity matters, where it's going, where we are right now, where it's going. And I think I'm able to forecast liquidity out for about 18 months, which may mean, and we'll have to wait and see, that that means I can forecast asset prices going at 18 months. It's a kind of ludicrous idea to think that I could do that. But that's what the everything code seems to suggest. And um, there's a huge, huge article I wrote in GMI about this. But just to give you guys an essence of what I'm talking about, So Brian, if you can pull up the first chart, and this is the chart of the Fed balance sheet against the NASDAQ. You're all aware of this. This is my thesis that debasement of currency is driving the denominator lower. So every time the Fed print, the stock market goes up in kind of nominal terms. But when you actually debase it by the balance sheet, it doesn't go up as much. So if I debase the S&P 500 by the Fed balance sheet, I divide one by the other. S&P 500 has gone nowhere since 2012, um, virtually nowhere since about 2008 when they started the debasement of currency by quantitative easing. Gold has actually given a negative return over that period of time. Uh, real estate is marginally negative, but most people use leverage on real estate, so it's not a fair comparison. But the NASDAQ has done particularly well in crypto that I've mentioned before. So that chart shows you the relationship. Now, it's not perfect, but I think the Fed balance sheet grows. I put some of my target on here that it goes out to potentially $12 trillion, which might give a NASDAQ target of about $25,000, which is ludicrous um, over the next 18 months or so. Don't fixate on the target. Fixate on the chart. But the second chart is the more important chart. So if you can bring the next one up, Brian, this is actually global liquidity. And now look at that fit. That fit is staggering. That fit is so good, you can't argue that there is not a very, very close ongoing relationship. And anybody who says, well, correlation is not causation, listen, you're missing the whole point. Tied in with global liquidity is equity markets. Now, when you say, oh, well, they print money and therefore money flows into stocks is simply not provable by the volumes in stock markets. Actually, happens is the Venezuelan situation where you debase the currency in the stock market automatically adjusts in price. And that's a phenomenon that you see when there's excess supply of money around. And you see it even in your neighborhood. You saw that houses didn't trade at this price, this price, this price. They went from here to here after the printing. That was the change of the valuation of house prices based on the redenomination of assets. So NASDAQ and global liquidity now. The GMI Global Liquidity Index is a combination of the G5 central bank balance sheets plus money supply and other measures, and it's staggeringly good. Now, so therefore, if this is the key driver of asset prices, then all we need to know is what's happening to liquidity. So the next chart reveals a bit more about it, which is the chart of the year-on-year rate of change of that Global Liquidity Index. So Brian, if you could pull up the next chart, so you can see global liquidity came sharply lower. That brought all financial markets down. The NASDAQ being highly correlated and a leverage play um, came down more. And crypto, which is even more a leverage play on liquidity, plus the adoption curve, as is NASDAQ, because technology adoption is, is massive right now, um, they came down a lot. But as that turned, so did markets turn, Now, this is where people are scratching their heads. I don't believe it. The market should be going lower. Can't you see there's a recession coming? Oh my God! Can't you see that earnings are coming lower? Yes, yes, yes. The market knows it all in advance, and it already is priced. And I've put that out many times, both on Twitter and here on Real Vision, that um, the markets are forward-looking, and there is this uppick in liquidity was actually forecast by our GMI indicator, our financial conditions indicator. Back in March of last year, showing that we would start bottoming and, and coming up from from this level, the economy will follow suit. Um, we will have a we're probably in a recession now, and then we'll have the kind of final stages of the bottom of the cycle, and then it claws its way back up again and doesn't become positive. Let's say till the end of the year, where GDP growth um, is positive again, but we'll have unemployment staying very sticky and prices coming lower, uh, et cetera. And again, I'm not gonna go through my whole macro thesis here. This is a daily briefing and what's on my mind and not my whole philosophy on life, the universe and everything. But liquidity is picking up, markets picking up. And if liquidity picks up further, whether the banking situation changes, uh, the regional banks are still on their knees. So I still think that that news flow gets worse and the Federal Reserve end up doing something. If not, the economy is gonna get worse. The longer they keep rates up, the more probability is they have to cut rates Rapidly later, the market picks this up. And so liquidity is driving everything. Watch the Mike Howell interview on Real Vision from, I think it was yesterday, incredibly important interview. The final chart is just to show this correlation another way. This is the S&P 500 against the G5 central bank balance sheets. And this shows that the, this is a kind of a plot chart to show correlations. And we've got a correlation of 97%. So there is no argument liquidity is the key driver. You can argue against it. You may hate it, but it is what it is. So once you understand liquidity is everything, you stop worrying about all of the things that you think should work as a model. Liquidity drives everything, not your model, not valuations, not anything else. It's all irrelevant. And it took me a while to understand this or even believe in it, but now I've seen it. I can't unsee it. And that everything code I wrote in Global Macro Investor, which um, I, uh, I won't be really sharing publicly for quite some time, um, I think is is the real answer to all of this. So liquidity, that's what's driving markets. Liquidity, as we know from the Fed balance sheet and others, is not accelerating right now. We had an acceleration. The market's accelerated. It's now pausing. The markets are pausing. And this will go on. Now, there's a bit of variability around it in general. My view is the central bank balance sheet goes out to about 12 trillion in the US. That takes all assets with it over time. NASDAQ, crypto do better. The NASDAQ does well. Crypto does ludicrously well. And that's how it always is uh, with liquidity and these network adoption models. The S&P does fine. It does pretty much. I think the S&P does 2x what the balance sheet does in percent. So the balance sheet fell about 15% um, and the stock market fell 30%. You know, it's that kind of relationship with the S&P. The NASDAQ's got a multiplier effect and crypto's got a multiplier multiplier effect on it, which is why I'm so bullish on those two right now based on my liquidity framework. Okay, what else on my mind? Crypto, obviously, crypto is always on my mind. Um, it's been doing phenomenally well based on liquidity, uh, bottomed exactly as we saw, as we saw uh, Global M2 turning. Um, that was my signal um, into that hell hole of June when Luna collapsed and then the um, second hell hole of the FTX collapse, which ETH didn't take out the low uh, it bottomed in June, but Bitcoin and others bottomed in in the October period, which I tweeted out about and talked about on Real Vision, which I thought was the low of the market. October is the bear market killer, and it seemed to have done its job uh, this time around too. So I'm very positive overall. <coughs> I'm positive on crypto. Been positive on crypto all year. I was buying in June. I bought in October. I bought in January. And just looking down the list of how assets have performed this year, Bitcoin's up. 80%, ETH up 75%, Solana up 156%, which was one of my key smaller bets. Um, and then other markets that have done particularly well, um, Carbon, which is another one of my bets, is up about 12%. Um, and if I look at equity markets, S&P's up eight. NASDAQ is up 20, making to my point, my exponential age basket of more kind of growth and technology is up about 33%. So you can see the markets are already bifurcating. This is exactly what happened in 2019 after the Fed pivot in 2018. The Fed are going to pause very soon or have pause. I think they probably pause or should certainly pause. And we'll see this continued acceleration until liquidity slows down at some point. Um, and then we'll have pauses in the market. We may even have pullbacks if liquidity comes back somewhat, which I don't really see. Um, And then we'll see acceleration as we start hitting the recession and the unemployment side of the equation, which comes later when the real money printing and uh, rate cutting really starts. So that's crypto overall. Crypto regulations. We've seen Gary Gensler today told shit show um, being questioned about is Ether security? All of this stuff refuses to say anything. You know, I think the questions asked were pretty right is why can you not give guidance to people? Do you want to drive away um, innovation from the United States, and that is what I've been talking about for a while. I've talked about it on Daily Briefing, I've talked about it on Real Vision, I've talked about it on Twitter. Is I think the UK is almost uniquely positioned to take a lot of the um, crypto businesses. We saw Brian Armstrong from Coinbase over in the UK talking to the government, and that is not the only organisation that's been over there. And you see, we've seen this before. England has one great trick; it has a incredible. Um, financial system democracy and they speak the english language and they have great trade linkages with the entire world
0: hey everyone we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners we'll be right back with more
2: of the day's top analysis on the real vision daily briefing so when the us stumbles in particularly in financial markets the uk picks up the slack and does something
1: called regulatory regulatory arbitrage. It happened really predominantly first when the US came off the gold standard and had capital controls, because they wanted to limit the flow of dollars in this new world. (coughs) The foreign exchange markets became the new market in town, because before that, everything was pegged to gold. And the UK captured that market, became the largest market the world had ever seen. Then the next phase was the US restricted bank lending or lending to foreign counterparts. And the UK picked that up and developed something called the Eurodollar market, which you've heard from everybody from Jeff Schneider to myself talking about. The Eurodollar market is the offshore lending of dollars. It is the largest lending market on earth and is gigantic. Yeah, hundreds of trillions of dollars. The FX market trades trillions of dollars every day. And then after that, came another little trick from the UK, which was um, they saw that the US bank regs didn't allow for the right the use of capital in derivatives in an efficient way. So it was impossible for US banks to get involved in derivative markets. So the UK changed their banking rules. Um, and they changed their banking rules over something called Big Bang. The Europeans followed suit. And the entire derivative market outside of the futures market, so this is, we talk about the really big markets, the swaps, the OTC markets all went to the UK, where the UK became the epicenter of everything. All the US banks at this stage over the 90s and 2000s, after Big Bang, which was the deregulation of the banking industry in the UK, everybody moved to the UK to set up business. So Goldman's main office, London. JP Morgan's main office, London. Morgan Stanley's main office, London. Merrill's main office. London. Credit Suisse, London. SocGen, London. Paribas, London. HSBC, London. Everybody went to London because that was the center of the global financial markets. That changed after Brexit and changed after the Basel III agreements on uh, regulatory use of capital within the banking system. But here we are again. There's a trillion dollar industry called crypto. It has been $3 trillion at peak. This is not a small industry. And most people projected to grow to let's say 10 trillion would be gold. Now gold is based in London as well, regulatory arbitrage. Um, And then if you look at other major asset markets, they're 100 trillion plus um, and stuff like the uh, derivative markets are like quadrillion dollars. So the UK is looking at this thinking, okay, we need a relevancy in this world. We lost most of it because of our um, divorce from Europe and then having to renegotiate trade agreements with every country in the world because we didn't have the European agreements. All of this, and also the loss of manufacturing in the UK and the loss of the financial industry. So here is the UK's gift, and the UK have taken it. The last two or three governments have said, we want to embrace crypto. And they're setting up their stall for very sensible regulations. One of the key ones is stablecoins. They say, we want to be the center of stablecoins. Why? Stablecoins are just tokenized euro dollars. Once you understand that, you understand how big stablecoins are. It's the euro-dollar system, but for individuals because you can tokenize it. So it gives anybody access to dollars, whether you're in the Philippines, whether you're in India, or whether you're in the U.S. So it's a really, really interesting opportunity for them. And to be honest, they've done it before. And so I think the crypto industry is easy to move to the U.K. So if the U.S. screws this up, Coinbase will, sure, be a U.S.-listed company, but its main operations have been in the U.K., Same for many of these businesses. And I think that's very, very interesting. Germany's already doing a good job with regulation. Switzerland's done a great job with regulation. France is trying to do a good job with regulation. France is pioneering Web3 via LVMH. Bernard Arnault is the richest man in the world. Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy is one of the biggest companies in the world. That's a fashion luxury goods. They've embraced Web3. All the Arnault kind of siblings are all involved. The kids, they're all involved in Web3. Um, And I think we will see more of the fashion brands and more of the industry based out of that. Ledger itself is based in Paris. So interesting to see Europe getting its toehold in there. You know, Switzerland has a big toehold in the industry. Singapore, as you know from Real Vision, is building out. um, And Hong Kong has come back into the fray. And they're allowing crypto, encouraging crypto banking and encouraging businesses to come back. So here we are in a world that looks a lot like the world that I knew in finance when I grew up which was London at the epicenter, Germany is a regional center, Switzerland is a regional center, the two eastern centers of Hong Kong and Singapore. Tokyo is missing from this equation because Tokyo has been less internationalized in recent years. But anyway, super interesting. Um, So that's what I think is happening. Now, the U.S. can save themselves if they just get out of their own way. And that requires removing Gary Gensler, which I know a lot of people want to do, including a lot of people in the government. United States, let's see what happens. But this is the problem when you run the world's most powerful, richest country with a bunch of baby boomers who just want to protect what they've got. Don't give me change, please, uh, because I just want to live out my retirement. Well, the hard job is to be somebody who makes decisions about the future, not about the past. And right now, the US is making a lot of decisions about the past, when in fact, these people were global innovators. And the US was the innovation economy of the world. And they need to be very careful in how they deal with this. It's the same with AI. If they screw that one up, sure there needs to be regulation of AI. If they get overly tight, it'll move. The Europeans are scared of it, so I don't know where that moves to. But again, the UK's around the corner. There's a few other countries who are very interested in that particular opportunity. Talking of AI, another big thing on my mind. AI has gone fucking exponential. It is beyond comprehension. So we're dealing with ChatGPT4, we're dealing with mid-journey version, whatever it is, which is now photorealistic beyond any understanding. You cannot tell what is AI generated, what's not. We know that text to video is coming, and that is going to be a momentous moment as well, and quite dangerous. But the big news that happened last week only was the launch of um, um I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, Auto GPT. Auto GPT is what's known as Asian GPT. And it's slightly terrifying because what it's doing is using ChatGPT4 and then using these agents that connect to the internet, these mini AIs that can go and run tasks for the main AI to do a more complex task. So I finally got a chance, having seen this launched a week ago, um, five or six different variations launched within the first week. I played around with one of them and the idea was write me a newsletter about the exponential age. I don't have branding, so you need to develop branding for it. I want it in PDF format, and I want you to scrape the web, find out the most interesting things that happened last week. And look, I do not know what I'm doing. Um, you know, I, I have no idea how to prompt properly, but I got it to run most of that task. Didn't get it to run all of the tasks, but people with a little bit more knowledge, or <coughs> give it another month of development, and uh, it'll be able to do this. But what it does, is goes out, I give it the task, which is I want this newsletter. That was my only prompt. It then goes away. It goes and learns how to create a PDF. It learns, goes to a branding website, learns about branding. It then um, sends out kind of bots or agents to go out onto the internet, scrape from trusted sites, the best and most important stories, then creates a little file of all of those stories, then puts it together as a newsletter, gives it the branding, pops it into a PDF, and delivers it to you. Can you get your heads around what this means for knowledge workers? This is like an intern, and that's I only ask basic intern stuff. It would have taken somebody at least a day or two days just to do the research side. It did the whole thing in about 15 minutes. And I keep saying this, you know. I keep hearing the narrative of sticky inflation and, oh my God, don't, don't you know that the oil price is going to go up? I'm like, this is a nuclear fucking bomb of disinflation. It's the most deflationary thing the world has ever seen. Because the highest paid jobs are the ones most at risk. We can scale human knowledge now infinitely. That was a restraint. We had two restraints in this world. One was the ability to scale knowledge and expertise, and the other was the uh, ability to scale energy. Energy, and I'll come on to that in a sec, is something the world is working on. But this knowledge part, this is a huge, huge change. And the issue is here is this AI is operating not at Metcalfe's law speed, which is the network adoption effect speed. But because there's these models and everything's being built on top and then built on top. We're operating in something called Reed's Law, which is Metcalfe's Law squared, which is why we're all scrambling and we can't quite get our heads around it. And it's not going to change. This is going to keep going and going and going. But that is not all that is going to happen and you're going to have to get used to. As liquidity comes back into markets, we will see the next rise of the crypto story. And the crypto story will go from 300 million users to a billion users or more in this cycle. And there'll be applications that you won't have dreamed of or things that you thought weren't coming that will come at scale, whether it's digital identity, whether it's massive cases of Web3, whether it's DeFi, or whether it's something entirely new, whether it's ticketing uh, via NFTs, who the hell knows? But this next cycle, with the amount of capital that's been invested in this space, that is going to see yet another acceleration. But there's more coming. I think the Apple announcement, I think it's June when they've got their big kind of Apple-a-thon,
2: They're going to release their AR, VR glasses. Big deal. Well, I don't know. Look at my Twitter feed
1: and look at the Nerf technology that's out there, which is this kind of neural ability to create 3D realized spaces from photographs. It's kind of mind-blowing. So it kind of tells you you can spin up real versions of the metaverse. So this could be a 3D space, not the 2D space you're looking at. And you can kind of navigate it. You can maybe sit in the barber's chair while I'm doing this. That's what's coming. And I think Apple is going to launch the first part of that. So we've got a game changer that's coming. Um, another one that will make us go, oh, my God, I can't get my head around it. And the metaverse has suddenly arrived. It's a different format than I thought. Was going to, I thought it was going to be legless characters on meta. And now it's a f- fucking 3D rendition of everything going on in the world in photo, in, in photo form. Okay. What the hell does that mean for movies? What does it mean for anything? I, I don't know anymore, but that's coming and it's going to happen in the next two, three months. Um, and it, the technology is already available. And I think Apple are the people who are going to lean into it. So that's a game changer coming. Self-driving cars. It's one of these things where everyone's like, it's like with AI. Oh yeah, it's just machine learning. I remember hearing that when I started looking at AI for Real Vision, about two years ago, it's like, well, it's just machine learning. You know, it's not really that sophisticated. Then ChatGPT3 comes along and was like, oh, this is interesting. And people are still like, nah, it's nothing really. And then gp 4 comes along and has gone, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Um, the same is going to happen with self-driving cars. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Slowly, oh, Elon's never going to deliver. Waymo's never going to happen. This is never going to happen.
2: Oh, my God, the roads are filled with them. Next time you're out in a big city, I was in New York and I was reading a tweet thread about the prevalence of of autonomous vehicles in, I think it was in California
1: somewhere. And this guy was saying, well, you know, I used to see them once a month, and then I saw them every week, and then I see them now um, three, four, five times a day. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. So three, four, five times a day suddenly scales, and it will scale everywhere. So in the next two years, we will see this at scale everywhere. And then you go into New York City, when I was reading that tweet, I was in an Uber. I looked around, every car was
2: an Uber, a taxi driver, a delivery car, a bus. I'm like, all those jobs are gone. We don't need any of them. We need truck drivers, we don't need any of this. And how fast is that gonna come?
1: Slowly at first, then all at once. That's how all of this stuff goes. Robotics, self-driving cars are robots with AI. So robots and AI, that's coming. <clears throat> I i sent a hypothesis out when Elon bought Twitter and I said, this is nothing about buying a social network and he's not interested in, um, in freedom of speech. What he's interested in is an unbiased AI platform so he can scrape as much data from humanity as possible where they're talking to each other in short form and then he built out long form and he'll have video and he will have audio, he's got audio. All of these things will train his AI, which is called x.ai. So he's just announced that that what he's working on, which is what I said he bought Twitter for, and $44 billion for all of that, it's probably pretty cheap. So he's also got the Dojo supercomputer, which is, a, I think it's the fastest compute on earth right now. Um, it's passed the Tesla for the self-driving. So all of this stuff, and he's just bought a gazillion GPUs as he's scaling all of this. But the other scary thing is he also owns the robot. So he's got the visual visualization, from the self-driving cars. He's got all of the AI. And he's built a robot as well, which is this Optimus thing. And again, everyone's going to go, well, yes, Optimus, it's all a sham. It's not real until it is. Um, You know, is. Don't forget, the guy's sending the biggest space rocket in history uh, into orbit in the next two, two days, or at least going to try. Um, so don't discount him, even if you, whether you hate him or not, it's irrelevant. Just watch what he does and watch what he says. So the exponential age is this process where we're going to go into this period where everything seems liquid? We can't really understand what is happening. Society shift into this distributed online networked world. Those networks shift. The utilization of digital assets and AI is the glue that creates this metaverse digital world that we're all moving towards. The metaverse digital world will mean that you can sit with me in this barber's chair and we can chat. But AI could mean that you could have a one-on-one chat with me. That's all coming, and it's all coming fast. The rise of the robots. I mean, I'm terrified about if you give my fridge, my toaster, my kettle, uh, maybe my wine fridge, even more scary uh, AI, because they're all Internet of Things, right? They're all connected to the internet. Give them AI, they're gonna start talking about me. I don't know what my wine fridge is gonna say, but it's not gonna be good. And if he tells my wife, I'm in big trouble. But that's the problem. If my fridge says, "Hey, listen, Ral, you've been you know eating all that shit from the fridge, and it's because you've drunk too much wine or whatever it is." I mean. Look, you give um, a fridge autonomy with AI and you've created a robot. Can these things network? Who the hell knows? It's a scary, fascinating world. So that's what's been on my mind this week. There's a hell of a lot going on. The macro's interesting. crypto's interesting. Exponential age is interesting. So I'm very excited about everything. Expecting lots of ups and downs. But overall, I think it's a really, really special moment in time that we're living through right now. And nobody's ever lived through a time like this before. So anyway, time to answer the questions. Again, if you're watching this on YouTube, go to realvision.com forward slash daily hyphen briefing. I think the link's below in YouTube. Um, you can ask questions there. I won't get to them on on YouTube. I'd rather you came to the platform to ask the questions. It's much easier for me to do. And anyway, if you do sign up, then you'll get the um, the newsletters about the daily briefings, the summaries, and uh, notifications. It's actually pretty useful. Uh, it's our most popular email list, free email list by a long way. Um, hundreds of thousands of people on that. So um, go for that. Okay, question. JLG, do you think the recent noise from the SEC will affect the usual four-year cycle and, and the halving? So we're talking about crypto here. Uh, no, I think the uh, four-year cycle and halving is driven by liquidity. The liquidity cycle is driven by the business cycle and the business cycle has gone negative and therefore the liquidity cycle is, is playing out. Um, I, I've talked a bit about this. Part of my everything code is the fact that this is like clockwork every three and a half to four years and it's driven by the refi cycle of the US government debt markets because everybody reset their debts in 2008 at zero, as did all the private sector. The government's 100% of GDP in debt. Um, And if interest rates are 2% and economic growth is at 2%, 100% of economic growth goes to pay interest, which would cause a huge problem. So they end up refinancing all of this and they use the central bank balance sheet to do it. So I don't think anything with the SEC makes a difference. The U.S. is not the world. I know, sorry to break it to you guys, Um, um, you may be the world's biggest economy, but as I explained in um, financial markets, these things are liquid. They shift. They can go anywhere where capital is treated well, and they will. Now, they're not going to ban crypto from individuals in the United States, but they try and make it hard for businesses to grow. So they'll just move to the UK or Hong Kong or Singapore. And the world moves on. The hedge fund industry moves there like it did with the, with the financial markets. And then they start trading with the firms, let's say Coinbase, based in the UK. And the, the volume just moves. The institutions did the same in the UK. So US pension funds would set up operations in the UK. They could then do certain things. We've seen it all before. So I think it's a total red herring to even care about what the SEC does. It's a shame for the United States. Uh, for the rest of the crypto markets, just all noise. Remember when they banned China or China banned it? Yeah, they've done it three times. Nothing happened. The market went up. India, same. It's too big. It's too big, too decentralized. Okay, Skull6, what are your top trades for the next one-year and three-year time horizon? Well, I've talked about this ad nauseam. Um, I would take Exponential Age Basket. Um, I've talked about it on Real Vision. Watch my video. If not, just choose something like SMH, which is the semis that takes into account a lot of this. Um, and then um, uh, NASDAQ, if you want to keep it simpler, crypto is my favorite bet of all. Um, and I'm long carbon as well because I like that. And I'm long bonds. So the bonds would not be a three year time horizon, everything else would be easily one year and three years. Uh, Jason C., for investors with 10 to 20-year time horizons, I can see the appeal of things like crypto and exponential age stocks, which I talked about. Um, 10 to 20 years, I think they work in a one-year, two-year, three-year, five-year. They will have down cycles when we have tightening of liquidity when it comes at the peak of the business cycle, as it always is. But over time, they still keep trending higher. Uh, What about retiree boomers that are looking to draw down now? The old 60-40 portfolios still
2: apply. Well, with four and a half percent interest rates, you might just want to choose bonds.
1: Um now, problem is 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 inflation, but I think inflation is lower, but you won't beat the debasement of currency because the central bank will probably increase the supply of currency by more than um, by more than the than the yield on the bonds. Um I think equities and bonds is fine. Sixty forty, I think it will work well. We've just had the worst Year ever for sixty forty. So generally speaking, it's a clean trade now. So yeah, I don't think it's the worst trade. You could add a bit of gold uh, if you want to be super cautious within that. I have no issue with that. Um, yeah, that probably kind of makes sense. Um, okay, moving down the list of questions. um Crypto Gandalf, hello, Rael. What's your thoughts about Arbitrum and Arb token specifically? No idea. Sorry. Um, I, I know. You know, I hear about it. I don't know. I'm not invested. I don't. I don't really have any thoughts. Thoughts on the gaming industry entering blockchain in the next years? I think that's 100% certainty. Depends how much it scales. And there's a lot of people working on it. So I, I, think, I think it's one of the big potential breakthroughs. What do you own in your non-crypto portfolio? Are Tesla and Coinbase the only individual stock bets you have? No, I would refer to the video um, that I did recently about all of this and the exponential age. It shows some stock picks that I've got within my exponential age basket. Um, and there's a whole bunch of them, and Coinbase and Tesla are just one of that basket of thirty odd names of which a bunch of those are ETFs, and those have lots of names, so it's a very broad, diversified um, directional bet. I don't think the stocks are all right, or the ETFs may be partly wrong, but directionally it'll nail what it's doing, and it's already, as I said, it's outperformed everything else this year. um John Amatuli. How will the exponential increase in the power of AI held almost exclusively in the hands of a few corporation state actors, along with declining societal cohesion, resulting from the ease of manufacturing, blah,
2: blah, 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 blah. That's a long question here. I don't really understand the question. Uh,
1: But yeah, I don't like the fact that... It's in the ha- hands of a few, and that's what the decentralized movement's about. It's what crypto's about. It's what stability AI is about. I think we can't allow
2: excess power within the few. So I'll leave that question at that. Um, okay. William Tippett. Square root of ex- x, ex- Metcalfe's law. And they're correct. So oh, thank you for the
1: correction, William. That's a great value add to the community. I'm pleased you posted that comment. Um
2: Ricky Ross, I've got a bet on autonomous driving with my girlfriend. Looking forward to winning one pound. Okay. Okay, there's a lot of spam comments here. Um, Al Anelli, how much do you see private
1: centralized blockchains like MasterCard, provenance, impacting growth regulations of public decentralized solutions? I think we all work together. There's going to be private solutions. There's going to be massive decentralized solutions. There's going to be CBDCs. It's all part of the mix. So I I have no issue with it. The more people that adopt the technology in whatever
2: format, the better the world will be. Um, What are your top three indicators that the market is topping out? Well, I
1: don't think it's topping out. I think we've bottomed. um, But generally speaking, I use the business cycle. Um, forward-looking indicators of the ISM um, and the ISM itself gives a very good signal. Uh, GMI, we've built a whole kind of macro quantitative asset allocation model as well based around business cycle. Um, And so,
2: yeah, I I use the business cycle, always have, and then I use technical analysis for an overlay. Sherry Matigan, is this Raoul or AI talking to us? You won't know until we've got digital
1: ID, which is what I keep saying, because we're going to experiment with some of this stuff at Real Vision. And uh, yeah, it's slightly terrifying. So thank you, Sherry. This is me, but it could be AI and me,
2: and you'll never know. Zain Tan, are you planning to allow Real Vision members to participate and invest in the
1: Exponential funds you've set up using blockchain and token distribution, similar to what a public note is saying, trying to accomplish? So yes, I have an asset management company called Exponential Asset Management. It invests in digital asset hedge funds. It's a fund of funds. We're having other funds as part of it. The issue is, is, we can't tokenize it for non-accredited investors in the U.S. So if a U.S. investor, you can't do it. We are looking at tokenization overall, and we're looking at tokenization of Crowdsource portfolios at Real Vision. It's regulatory hurdles. So we just need to figure that out. So yes, I believe in tokenization of assets. I believe in allowing ordinary people access to the same tools that wealthy people have. Just bear with me because I don't want to go to prison
2: however much I love you. Um, Ralph Humphrey, what were the top three things you learned when you were running a commodity fund? Now you'll probably think I was... The
1: hedge fund, but I did run a commodity fund. I uh, started up a commodity hedge fund, which was agricultural commodities, and I learned never to run a hedge fund trading agricultural commodities. They're massively volatile, um, and they're mean reverting. And so I had a hypothesis that um, the world would not be able to plant enough food for the for people, and that land productivity was on the decline. I was wrong because technology changed all of that and actually went up and down with the business cycle as well and the dollar cycle. And I learned that um, agricultural commodities are a very specialist topic because you can have whatever thesis you want and then suddenly it rains in Nevada and before you know it, your whole position has been wiped out and it's limit down for six days in a row. So the answer is never do it. I think Tony Greer gave the same thing on his MA about silver is like, don't ever trade it. It's far too dangerous because it's so gappy. So. Uh, I didn't like commodity hedge funds, and I'm also not as talented as somebody like um, Dwight Anderson, who knows what he's doing. Um, George O'Malley, how will the rise of AI affect the price and worth of U.S. college tuitions? Well, somewhere between the metaverse and AI is a complete disruption of education. So I imagine tuitions at a broad level change. Hyper elite education, maybe become more elite. Who the hell knows? Um, And anything and everything is up for grabs. Um, Marco de Venice, O'Leary and others, I didn't know Kevin was a leading voice, uh, saying that US dollar
2: shitcoin will be here forever. Do you think BRICS will shake it up? Um, The US dollar is 87% of all world trade, and something like
1: 70% of all world debt is in US dollars, it is not going away. Can it go away over time? For sure. Um, And that could be competition from private currencies, or let's call them public currencies, (coughs) non-state. It could be from China, it could be from regional PACs, it could be from all sorts of people so we end up in a more fragmented world the dollar the world needs to move away from the dollar being such a large part of it um i think it's detrimental for almost every other economy and maybe even for the us itself um, i don't think brics stand a chance yet of doing that but can the world de-dollarize partially yes does it mean the dollar goes down probably not um so i'm 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 an ongoing dollar bull i think it goes down medium term i the next Six months or so, I think the dollar goes lower, but my structural view remains that the u s the world is short dollars, and every time um, liquidity slows down the global economy, the dollar shoots higher. Um King's Cross London, hey, Riff. Uh, what is the best way to exchange dollar to cryptocurrency globally? Many exchanges are no longer able to perform this type of exchange. Well, yes, the u k has problems with its banking on banking off banking i think you can use revolut um, and some of the neo banks um i think that's a pretty straightforward paypal is probably another one so you may you may not be able to get rbs or natwest or whoever to do it because they're being stupid right now but there are other ways i mean there's plenty of people onboarding to crypto from the uk in fact the, US, the uk government put out the report there's like 28% of all uk citizens own crypto
2: so there are plenty of ways you just need to look into non traditional ways or or neo bank ways um Benjamin Kemper, how does marking
1: prices high? This is the debasement idea. Um, Work and who does it? It's the market does it. I I don't know. It's a weird mechanism. Like in Venezuela, stock markets don't go up. The currency goes down and they revalue it. Same with um, what happened in the Iranian stock market and anywhere else we see that kind of stuff. It's the same that happens if, let's say you live in a street and suddenly there's a billionaire comes who wants to buy property in your street well, guess what? Everyone marks up that your house 50%. Um, That didn't trade. It's a markup. So I think what happens is prices get marked up to account for the debasement. And it seems to be almost mathematical, as I've proven in the charts earlier. So the mechanism is, whether it's by market making or just by the crowd psychology, um, JJ, you like carbon, but don't think it'll take many more years to iron out all the kinks. I think you need to watch the interview with with Lawson Steele. Lawson and I have gone through this at depth many times. The EU, the EU carbon allowance system is a phenomenally good system, which has been thoroughly tested. And it is, a, I think, a great trade because the government is incentivizing everybody to move off carbon and is penalizing them via the carbon allowances to do it. And it reduces the supply every year. So it's like ETH, where you reduce the supply every year, but you're forcing people into it. So it's a phenomenally good trade. And um, what it's doing is then forces people to decarbonize over time. So I think it works very well. Um, how do I invest in carbon credits? So Crane Shares, I think are a sponsor here, um, KRBN is one of them. And I think this is KREU uh, is the other one. So KRBN also includes the. California Carbon Credits. Um, KREU is just the European one. You can also use the futures, so place like interactive brokers, you can trade the futures, the pure futures contract, which is the benchmark of which what everybody uses, or you can use stuff like Lawson Steel Kabuki, which is a um ERC20 token. Um, and that exactly mirrors the carbon as well and actually removes carbon from the system or allowances from the system. So it's it's a very good mechanism. So there's plenty of ways of doing it. Uh, JJ, what do you think about the future of Solana? Well, I'm, I'm a bull, I think it goes up. Um,
2: VPAL Mantri, why is nobody working on decentralized AI and blockchain? Um, I don't know, are you sure? Um,
1: my guess is they are. Um, I mean, I've spoken about it at length. I think we can tokenize these AI networks to allow use of compute to be tokenized or people put data in to be tokenized and therefore everybody participates in the network. So um, I think because you don't see it today doesn't mean it's not happening. Uh at gmail.com. Thank you, Jay, for giving us your email address. Everybody email Jay and say thank you for his question. Um, jmarko at gmail.com. Um, when will the U.S. next print more dollars? Well, um, roughly by month. I'm sorry, Jay. Let me get my crystal ball out for you. Um, they recently did it. Um, and people say, well, that wasn't quantitative easing. Well, it went on the balance sheet and the stock market went up. So it seems like it was debasement to me. When will the next do it? It depends. If the KRE index, the regional banking shares index falls, um, then they will do it faster. If it doesn't fall much further, then it will come when economy, uh, when, um, um, unemployment starts rising, which my guess is by about September, we'll be back into money printing mode and rate cutting mode will probably come sooner. But it all depends on the banks because that can accelerate the whole thing. My hypothesis is the banks probably got another leg lower and that will bring around potential rate cuts to get the uh, difference between money market funds and deposit rates uh, back closer in line. And I think we'll do QE because they need to clear up the commercial real estate on the balance sheets of these firms and also cement some of these firms. Gary Day, this is a question that everybody asks. What should my 15-year-old do to best take advantage of the coming trends? I have no idea. I know it's terrifying as a parent. All my friends are asking the same thing. I think just lean in. Lean into it. Lean into crypto. Lean into technology. Um, Lean into the use of technology to enhance yourself to be a more productive um, person. If you can do that, you're ahead of most people. So I think that is the thing. And then he'll have to figure it out, like we all had to figure it out. I mean, somebody, you know, you will have been told many wrong things in the past. You should be doing this, and then that job changed. Um, So I don't really know, but just lean in. It's a secular trend, it's not going away. Um, Ken, do you value Polkadot similarly to Solana? everything's valued off Metcalf's law and I've kind of proven it out in Global Macro Investor and Pro uh, Macro. They all work the same thing, roughly number of active addresses times the value exchanged, um, let's say on a week or a month. That formula maps pretty much exactly. The number doesn't, doesn't matter, but the actual output is pretty much price, which says that most cryptocurrencies are fairly priced once they get to a vaguely mature stage. I pass a launch phase, you know, pass the kind of few hundred million dollar market cap phase. Um, so yes, Polkadot's valued in a very similar way. Um Jav Medina, hi, Ral. Always enjoy your presentations. Well, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you being here and asking me a question. What did DMARC signal say about crypto and US indices? DMARC's my favorite technical indicator. I feel completely blind without it. Um, Tom DeMarc is a personal friend. And also, I think, has created one of the greatest things in technical analysis. It's voodoo to me. If you care about DMARC and want to learn more, we've got an entire DMARC course by Tom Demark himself. We're the only people in the world who have this. It's on Real Vision Plus as part of the uh, Real Investing course and the Real Vision Academy. So if you haven't done that, it's worth the bloody cost of the uh, Real Vision Plus, which is about $550 a year. Um, and that gives you all of your essential content plus all the academy just for that course trust me, it changes your life. If you can't make $550 once you understand how Tom's uh, indicators work, um, I can't help you. So Real Vision Plus, honestly, trust me, just for that course alone. And there's a ton of other amazing courses, including coming my business cycle course as well. Um, so let's have a look. The um, I'm looking at ETH. It's like a daily 12. So we're we're looking to have a short-term top at a pause. The weekly is still
2: um, uh, weekly DMARC is let's have a quick look. I think it was it, I think it was at a six. Um, might be a seven now. Let's just check. Uh seven.
1: So week seven. So it'd have another two weeks. So I, I kind of feel like pause here, another squirt higher then a larger consolidation, whether it's sideways or a sharp correction. Who the hell knows? You never know in crypto uh, before the next phase where I think we then have another push-up. So I think we've got a very strong year to come. Um, so that's what it's doing for U.S. equities. I'm going to use the NASDAQ because I don't care about the S&P. It feels like a boomer index nowadays. Um, and the Nasdaq's the one that outperforms, as I've proven. It's already up double what the s and P's up. Uh, NASDAQ daily DMARC. I pay a fortune for this on my Bloomberg, by the way. So you're getting this for free. Daily DMARC is um, a four count. It had a 13. So we had a nine, 13, And maybe we'll get a 9. They'll get a bigger correction. So there's probably a bigger correction coming, but it feels like there's more upside. Let me check the weeklies because that's important. I like the context. It's at a six. Similar to crypto. Feels that we're around the point where we might have a squeeze up, pull back, a run higher into the next two or three weeks. Um, and then probably a larger correction or a pause um, for the time being. So let's wait and see. Um, again, things can change. DMARC indicators change
2: as well. So you need to look at that. Um, Sandy, do you hold any Casper? Uh, I don't even know what it is. It was a bed company. Maybe it is, but I, no, I don't know the bed company. Um David Chatterton, what are the benefits of owning a
1: Real Vision Collective NFT differ between the various rarity cra- categories? Do we need to own a mythic for all three drops to qualify? When is the next drop? I'm not sure the date of the next drop, but it's I think it's early next month. Um, the idea is that you only need one NFT to qualify to be part of the community. So that's to make it inclusive. But owning more rarity traits and more of each season will give you the ability to eventually join a super community, which is a small, super elite community. You also get different benefits from doing so. So, you know, go onto the Discord, ask them more about the details. Uh, Moritz Heiden, the Real Vision bot, those guys are there to help you. So um, they will guide you through
2: what all of that is. Sorry, I'm reading. I've always got my mouth in a gormless look when I do
1: this. Um, Frank, are you worried about US valuations? Why would it warrant much higher valuation than other countries? Okay, this is part of the everything code as well. Valuations are a pure monetary phenomena since 2008. They're driven by two factors. The price of equities rise according to the debasement. So that's the Fed balance sheet or the global balance sheets. And earnings rise by M2. The balance sheet rises faster than M2, earnings rise. Once you, once you adjust for that, all earnings are equal across the world. It's the US that benefits, it's the reserve currency. That is entirely the US outperformance of the global markets. is driven by the US dollar plus the, uh, the effects of the debasement on US assets. I know it's a lot to get your head around. Sounds mumbo-jumbo but I've proven it out in in the everything code, which is, again, really
2: important. Um, Raoul, what must happen to prove your whole thesis wrong? Technology needs to stop. How else does technology not continue? That that thesis, so exponential age, almost impossible
1: to stop. Even with inflation, people are like, wow, inflation. Yeah, well... You know, companies that grow at 100 percent a year or fucking open AI that grew at Chat that went from zero to a hundred million users in five weeks. I don't even cares about inflation. Rates higher makes no difference. Um, it's only the rate of change as they're increasing rates that cause the causes the sell-off. Crypto, at, at a at a trillion dollar market cap, what do I have to prove anymore? Um so I don't know about that one. Disinflation, okay, we can argue about that one. Um that I think we're still in a structural disinflationary world driven by demographics and debt and technology and others would argue we're in a sticky inflation world driven by wage growth and commodity prices. Um, I think that's a 70s driven world and we're missing the demographic push for that. So even though wages for people who remain in the workforce may be higher, the labor force participation rate keeps going down those people don't earn a wage, their wages don't go up. So as a percentage of the overall work pool and spending pool doesn't go up. And so GDP keeps trending down, inflation keeps trending down. That would be my thesis. Part of my bigger thesis being wrong is disinflation Well, but it doesn't actually make any difference to my investments per se. The only one that would make a difference to is my bond trade, which is a trade and not an investment, which is probably a six, 12 month bet. Um, other than that, I
2: don't think it, it doesn't really really make a difference. Um, <laughs> by God, you guys are a cynical bunch of miserable people, Mark Brooker. Hey, Raoul, what do you think
1: about the ass- assertion that we're embarking on an exponential age on a planet of finite resources, so we're actually entering a terminal decline for technology, and civilization will all be back to living in pre-industrialized
2: lives in a century or so? Okay. <laughs> Um, you're probably in a bunker with a tin hat eating tin food
1: and have your supply of guns around you maybe some killer attack dogs
2: but really Mark what is happening here is technology leverages resources you've got to understand
1: this key point we're producing more productive output per calorie of energy than humanity has ever done before as we build within the exponential age, new forms of electricity that come from new sources solar, wind, nuclear, geothermal those are in an exponential downward path in costs. The issue is is some of them don't scale big enough yet. All of that is to come. What we have had is a world for the last hundred years where all energy is basically the oil price, which is cyclical and inflation adjusted has not gone anywhere
2: at all. So that has been the anchor to everything. So what we've done is use technology to
1: massively increase the product of output per unit of energy. Now, productivity hasn't gone up because we've got an aging population. Pro- productivity is to do with population as well. But if you lower the cost of the energy, which is about to happen, whether it's in the next three years, Five years, 10 years, doesn't really matter. Plus, you add in the exponential technologies, you're using less resources and creating more output. So it's very hard to get in a world where, where resource output, particularly with a global shrinking population in the Western world and peak demographics in most of the world, apart from Africa, which is still peaking, but India peak demographics already happened. So everybody's rate of change of growth is now going to shrink Going forwards, and the global population will shrink going forward. Well, not going, not not yet, but will eventually start shrinking towards the end of this century. So, I think it's the opposite world than you think of. Um, so, I might open those tins of food I you, and maybe use the foil to wrap some of that food in after you've cooked it, because you probably don't need the bunker. Um, I can't. Another one, fat one. What is wrong with you guys? Bad one, what's your stance to the conflict, soon war between China and Taiwan
2: for the macro field and the stock market? Well, war's never a good thing, but although you you tend to buy
1: war, uh, you you sell the lead into war and buy the war, but I don't know how to answer that. Yes, it would be bad, Um, but if you think there's always war around the corner or some shocking geopolitical event or the end of the world coming, you'll never make any money at all. So uh, that's the risk you have to play with. Um,
2: My God, there's a lot of questions. Um, Okay, I'm going to skip forward a few because I'm going to run out of time. Joe
1: Brady. Joe, thank you, my friend. Uh, K-U-E-A, not uh, K-R-E-U. K-E-U-A is the um, EU carbon ETF. Uh, Sounds like a... Superhero, Lawson Steele.
2: frankly, don't give him that impression. Please don't. He's insufferable as it is. Um, So there's so much Armageddon here.
1: Z, Raoul, please speak to what Elizabeth Warren is saying to destroy crypto. And is it like an order to later promote a U.S. CBDC? Yes, CBDCs are coming everywhere to you. Get used to it. That is your form of sovereign currency. You live in whatever country you live in, and you will accept their currency. We also have an alternative system which we can use, which is the cryptocurrency market, and we can all use those too, and we will do. And Elizabeth Warren is an irrelevant baby boomer who is trying to stop her world changing. Uh, That's my thoughts on that one. Um, Will rate cuts bring on a recession, Christina? Christina, rate cuts are because of recession. So we have a recession, they cut rates. Sergey S or Serge S, what are your thoughts on NVIDIA? Not particularly good with single stocks, but as I said, I like the SMH. I like semis. I think they go higher. Um,
2: Okay, skip forwards. (laughs) Andre uh, Warkocz, who let the dog out? I think my wife went past. I don't know. Somebody did. But usually they fight their way out. Uh, how do you crypto rascal how do you plan on using bitcoin in the future in your portfolio
1: will you ever sell it for dollars or hold it and use it to borrow against i I actually don't own much bitcoin i haven't for a very long time now um but let's assume it's for crypto will i ever sell it out yes because the whole game is about lifestyle that's what we're in this for we're not in it for some justice warrior um world at some point you want to have a nice house, or you want to build an extension, or you want to do something else. So everything is about lifestyle. That is what we work for. That is what we invest for. It's everything is about the quality of life that you have. It's not about material possessions. It could be just because you want to have a hut in the woods so you can be out with nature. It could be you want to go traveling. Lifestyle is everything. That's what we invest for. Nothing else matters. Lifestyle meaning relationships, love, the environment we live in, our connection with nature, the things around us. Um, the things that make us happy. So don't confuse it with that. Um, Yo-Yo. World War III will stop the exponential age. Thank you, Yo-Yo. I'm pleased you've added such value. You did add a smiley
2: face, so I hope you were being sarcastic. Um, Don Farm. Don does cynicism
1: maybe mean people are in disbelief? Uh, And that's exactly what it is. You know, at periods of great change, people get really cynical. I was on a Spaces call today and I could hear a friend of mine really pushing back on AI. No, it's not. It's not happening. EV, it's not happening. It's all nonsense. I'm like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But you don't sound like you've got an open mind to it because I think people fear change. And that's understandable. If you don't have that abundance mindset Going into this kind of stuff, it's unsettling because everything you took to understand as stable isn't stable. Everything you thought was new is now not new anymore. It's it's actually really hard. So I may kind of joke about the kind of scarcity mindset, the mindset of no, don't change the fear of change. But look, it's a complete understandable thing. And people don't like it and they find arguments against stuff. Because they don't want change. And that's okay. But change still comes and there's nothing you can do about it. So you might as well just embrace it. Um, okay, final question. Oh, yo yo. Thank you, yo yo. India peak
2: population 2070. So appreciate that. Um, South Africa is 2100. Thank you,
1: yo. You are chat GPT of this chat. Most valuable player, coming with the facts. Um, oh Yo's come back with war creates exponential age demand. Okay, yo, yo, enough now. Um,
2: okay, final final question. I'm going to go to the last question on the page God, you guys ask a lot of questions. Thank you. I love this.
1: Uh, uh, which time I do it? Can you speak about the abundance mindset? What is it? Great question to end on. The abundance mindset is not a, it's mine or your world. It's, it's our world. There is enough for all of us to grow together. Some will do better. Some will do worse. But the idea is that combined, we can create more wealth and more opportunity. It is not that resource scarce world of I've got the oil, you haven't got the oil, you need to pay me for it. Once you realize that technology, web three and other things like this, and just karma, karma is an abundance mindset. Some people are just mean to people because they think it's me versus them. Karma is I'm gonna give with no expectation of return, but the universe kind of returns it back because people think you're a nice person. They wanna, they wanna also be nice to you. It's incredible. It creates enormous abundance. Helping people in any way, shape or form does this. And once you accept it within investing as well, it's not my idea versus your idea. It's like, oh, your idea is interesting and my idea is interesting, or we can do this together. And once you understand it is not a competition for scarce, scarce resources, particularly in technology, cryptocurrencies and stuff like that, where we're building new things, then it opens your mind that we can all make money and doesn't have to be a mean reverting world. It's, a, it's literally a game changer once you understand the abundance mindset that together we can do more than we can as individuals. It's not one team versus another. It's all of us together. So thank you, everybody. Wealth is not zero-sum. Christoph. that's how you sum it all up in our investing world. Wealth is not a zero-sum game. We can grow the entire pie, not just take our share of the pie. Thank you, everyone. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. It was slightly chaotic as ever. Um, I don't really know what I'm doing, but hopefully I've helped you. We've had some fun in the process. If I've insulted you because your comments, it's all part of the game because you insult me in, in the comments as well. If you're on YouTube, thank you. Please subscribe. Um, to the channel. It's very important to us. Uh, Like the video so it rises up. And for God's sake, just sign up to the Real Vision Daily Briefing email. You'll get notifications of these. They're free every day. You can watch on the Real Vision platform, and you too can ask questions on our platform. Have a good day, everyone. Take care.
0: Thanks for joining us today. Just a reminder, the Real Vision Daily Briefing is in partnership with the Gold Investment Letter, helping sophisticated investors successfully navigate capital markets and maximize profits in gold, silver, and mining stocks. GIL discovers the most undervalued companies and isolates special situations in the mining sector for their members, breaking down unique topics such as investor psychology, portfolio management, and macroeconomic trends, With a goal of drastically improving investment returns. Sign up for this free e letter for immediate action. Goldinvestmentletter.com.